Amen. I want to say again, it's so good to be home. It's funny how God can change your heart and change the way you think and feel. I'm not going to lie to you. I did not miss the humidity at all. Not one time. You know, it was 80 degrees during the day, no humidity. Got into the 50s at night. That's phenomenal weather. I mean, that is great. But I will, I'll be honest with you, outside of seeing family, I couldn't wait to get back on the plane and get back home. And it's, it's great when God can take your heart and, and transform you. And wherever you are in God's will, there, that is home. Don't you love that? Don't you love that about God? He doesn't put you in a, in a place and, and make you distant or or make your heart wander for something else. Wherever God calls you, he puts a burden, what we call a burden in our heart, for, for that area. So I, I want to talk to you today about Isaiah 55. We've been on it for the last uh, few weeks. We talked about the universal call uh, of the Lord calling us and, and inviting us into a relationship with him through the Holy Spirit. And John 7, 37 uh, in through 39 talks about Jesus said, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And, and he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, which was not yet given at that time, for he had not yet been glorified. And, and we were, he, what Isaiah 55 is describing is a relationship of the believers of the New Testament, those on this side of the cross can experience and have with God through the Holy Spirit, through an infilling of the presence of the living God. I don't know about you, but I, I get excited when I really consider the fact that that same Spirit which was in Christ lives in us. Can you grasp that for a moment? The same one that measured the waters of the oceans in the palm of his hand. That flung the stars into the space and called them by name. Lives in you. The creativity. The holiness. The righteousness. All of the spirit of God lives in you. We talked, about, we talked about that relationship, then we talked about on Father's Day, why that fatherly advice of why waste time and energy on the things that don't really matter. And as humanity, we kind of do that a lot, don't we? We kind of get involved in things that don't really matter. But I, I, want, to, I want to take you to Isaiah 55, 6 through 9 today. This is what the Lord says to us today. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God. For he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I want to talk to you today about the topic of seize the day. Carpe diem. Seize the day. 
Oh, how'd that get up there? Oh, that's little Amelia Jane. She loves me. Uh, scripture, when in Isaiah 55, it talks about, he's saying, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Steve Miraboli, he's an American writer, he said this, Although time seems to fly, it never travels faster than one day at a time. Each day is a new opportunity to live your life to the fullest. In each waking day, you will find scores of blessings and opportunities for positive change. So don't let your today be stolen by the unchangeable past or an indefinite future. Today is a new day. I love that. You can't change the past. I know a lot of us, sometimes we think about, man, if I could go back and change the past, I would, I would correct this, I would correct that. I would have invested in Apple. Um, there's a whole lot of things that we would do if we could change the past. But the thing about time and the past is, it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. And if you sit down and you worry and you fret over the things that you have done, you'll never accomplish the things that you could do. Don't allow your past to dictate your future. And don't allow the uncertainty of the future to determine today. Because today is all we really have. No one's guaranteed tomorrow, and, and you can't recall the past. So right now, at this moment, in this time, we have been given life. And in God's providence, He's allowed you and I, each and every one of us, to choose how we live that life. Choice. Choose. We get to choose how we spend our hours. We get to choose what we do. Don't you love that? Today, after, after uh, service, uh, we get to choose what we're going to do. Uh, my granddaughters invited me to go horseback riding, and I haven't been on a horse in a long time. My name is not Clint Eastwood, and, but I'm going to go. Why am I going to go? Because I choose to spend time with them. It's choice. There's part of me that just wants to go home and do nothing and watch a rerun or something. But the reality is we get to choose. You get to choose today when you leave here what you're going to do. You not only get to cho choose what you're going to do, you get to choose the attitude in which you're going to do it. Don't you love that? You get to choose your attitude. Whether, whether it's a good attitude or a bad attitude, you get to choose the attitude in which you live. You know, you also get to choose your relationships with God and with people. That is so amazing that God invites us into this relationship with Him. And we mentioned a few weeks ago that we're as close to God as we want to be. 
The reality is, I'm as close to him as I want to be. Am I as close to him as I need to be? Oh, no, I don't think I am. I don't think any of us are. But he invites us into this relationship with him that we can draw close to him. He says, if you come to me, I will come to you. And then he's there in, with open arms waiting on us to come to him. We're as close to God as we want to be. And the thing is, we get to choose how close we are. Because God gives us an open invitation. We get to choose our relationship with those that are around us as well. Now you say, well, there are some people that I would like to have a better relationship with, but, but I just don't have because they're not willing. And that is true. You can only have the relationship with a person that they're willing to give you. But our attitude toward other people, those that we know and those that we don't know, is determined by us. It's, we have this great choice. And, and what the scripture is saying is, is seize the moment. Seize the day. Look at today. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Because we need to focus on where we are right now. Do what you can where you are with what you have. Just focus on the day. And here's the reason why we have to focus on the day. Because people have a shelf life. I've mentioned that before. Last time I mentioned it, somebody came up to me and I said, I've never thought of myself as a can of corn before. Uh, you know, I would like to be more like a Twinkie because it's going to last for a long time. But we're, we're perishable. And, and, and here's the thing. Time is perishable. Opportunities are perishable. The opportunities for ministry have a shelf life. They're perishable because God works in the hearts of people and he primes them and gets them ready. And then he'll He'll inspire us or provoke us to, to go speak to somebody or to minister to somebody or to bless somebody or to give them a phone call or whatever it may be. And that moment is fleeting. How many of us have squandered opportunities to bless others because of, of fear or even indifference because we didn't want to intrude? I have done that, and, and, and I believe it's something that, that each and every one of us have to wrestle with. But opportunities to be used by God can pass us by. If you remember the story of Queen Esther, where Mordecai looked at her and said, Perhaps you were born for such a time as this. Because God is going to deliver his people, and whether he uses you or raises somebody else up, God will deliver his people. You know God is going to have a church. The Bible says that, that he will build his church and the gates of hell can't prevail against his church. God is going to have a church from the time that the church was born all the way to the time the Lord comes back. And you and I are invited to partner with, with the Lord through the Holy Spirit in, in building and developing his church. And when God speaks to us about somebody in our life or somebody that has crossed our path and, and we feel that urge to, to speak to them, to minister to them, to talk to them, to encourage them, to befriend them. And we don't. 
God will have somebody. But today, I want to talk to you about letting your light shine now. Don't worry about what you did yesterday. Don't worry about what's coming on tomorrow. Today. Today is all we have. And now is the time to rise to the challenge to see what God has made for us. So let me ask you a couple of questions. One is, what has God placed on your heart? Is there, is there something in our community that God is just pulling on your heart to get involved in, to roll up your sleeves and be active in making a transformation? Has God spoke to you about some people in your life, maybe family or friends or neighbors that, that you know that, that are either walking distant from the Lord or don't even know Him. God gives us these amazing opportunities, amazing opportunities with people that you and I can be used by the Holy Spirit to speak hope and life and encouragement into others. Isn't it amazing that, that you could stand before the Lord one day and the Lord says, hey, look behind you. You remember that time that you were kind to your neighbor? That kindness provoked them to serve me. And, and they're here because of your decision to act. Man, I don't know about you, but I, I, I want... I, I want to be like that Thanksgiving turkey. Uh, I want the Lord to look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I, I want that, don't you? So who has God placed in your heart? Who has God placed in your life? Is there somebody that, that has just come across your, your life that, that the Lord wants you to speak a kind word to? You say, well, I, I don't know what to, to do. I don't know what to, to say. Don't worry about that. Be you. God created you to be you. He didn't create you to be a great orator, unless you are. God didn't create you to, to do something that is outside of who you are. God calls you to minister with what you have where you are. God calls each and every one of us. And, and he said, seek the Lord while he may be found. And here's how to seize those moments. And I know Isaiah 55 is talking about see, uh, seeking the Lord while he may be found. And the very first thing we need to do is to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord while he is near. Seek him. That, that means that that word seek is really pretty incredible. It, it simply means this. To resort to. It's an it's a understanding that God is the only source of help. It's not seeking like, well, I lost my car keys, but I have another set somewhere over there. It's realizing that you've lost your car keys, and that is the only set of car keys that you have. And if you want to go anywhere or do anything, you better find them. Seeking God simply means this, that you, are un, you have an understanding that He is the only source of help. Simon Peter, in, in John 6, 68, he asked, the Lord said, Hey, are you guys going to leave me? And Simon said this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
Peter understood, Lord, there's no other place to go. There is no other place to, to find what, what we're looking for. You and you alone are the only source of eternal life. Can I encourage you in, in saying that the Lord is the only source of strength and help and hope and blessing and encouragement and life that, he, that is offered to each and every one of us? There is no other place to go and there's no other place we need to go than to the Lord. He is ours. He gives and he said, seek. He said, here's what you really need to understand, that if you really want to seek me, you have to understand that there are no other avenues that can replace me. Ministries can't replace me. Uh, Sunday school programs can't replace me. Uh, 12-step programs can't replace me. They can all be used by me, but the reality is if you really want to be used by God, if you want to seize the opportunities that are before you, you have to understand that no matter what it is, whether it's an opportunity or an obstacle, whether it's a person or a place or a thing, it does not really matter. What does matter is that you're looking to God, you're seeking Him for help, you're seeking Him for words, you're seeking Him for sustenance, you're seeking Him because He is, in your mind and heart, the only source of strength. We must seek God because we are the ones that have moved from Him. We seek Him. God hasn't moved. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always been where He's always been. It's humanity that, that has, has moved away. Jesus never changes. He's always faithful. He's always in the same place. And you know what's great about it? He can always be found. Jesus can always be found. But he said, call on, seek me while I may be found. You know, there is a time coming when the Lord comes back. And I'm not a dispensationalist, but I do know when the Lord comes back, that things are going to change. Scripture tells us that. And we have this window, we have this opportunity right now to, in this time of grace, to to where the Bible says the Spirit and the bride say, come. We have a great opportunity to share the goodness of God with those around us. Uh, I've said this many times, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it again because I really like it. When you get to the end of your life, I've never, never seen anybody regret the things they've done. It's usually the things they haven't done. That's where we need to have an understanding that we have to seek the Lord because He is the only one. He is the only one that can help us fulfill the desires of our heart. He not only said, seek me, but He said, call on me. Call on me. He said, call on me while I'm near. Call on me. To cry for help. It's an urgency it's, it's, it denotes that, that we are urgent, in urgent need of God. It, it means to cry for help. I remember years ago, I was a young guy, and, in, and I had a summer job. I was working at a box factory in Arkansas. And, uh, you know, they have conveyor belts and, and, and all these things with the metal rollers on them. 
And I remember I was, I was going to push the stack of boxes that had gotten stuck on the conveyor belt. And one of the rollers was missing and I didn't see it. And I planted my foot under, on, the, on the deal that was going underneath the rollers. And I caught my foot and it was starting to pull my leg. And I thought, I like this leg. I don't want to lose this leg, nor do I want it broken. So there was a sense of urgency that because I knew that if it kept going, that that conveyor belt was stronger than my leg, and I really liked my leg. And at that moment, I did not care who, uh, who thought of me as being afraid or scared or intimidated. I didn't worry about what I looked like. I just began to scream from the top of my lungs, stop the, you know, stop the conveyor. And a guy down the line heard it, hit the emergency button, stopped it, and saved my leg. That's where, that's where the Lord looks to us when he says, call while I am near. It's a, it's a cry for urgency. It's a cry that, that, God, you're the only one that can help. I cannot do it. And whatever God is calling you to do, whatever he is ministering, uh, using you to minister, do you realize that, that we really can't do the work of the Spirit? It's him and him alone. But he invites us into this relationship where we get to call on him through this amazing thing called prayer that we can, that we can reach the very throne of God and he can hear our cries for help for our family and for our friends and for our community. Call to Him. Call to Him while the opportunity is near. Use the window of opportunity. Use the window of opportunity that He has given. So seek Him. Call on Him. And then the, the third thing that the Scripture tells us to do is to forsake our ways. That's hard. That's hard. Forsake our ways. Because I don't know about you, but if I have a thought, it's usually brilliant. Until my wife hears it. And then she helps me understand. But forsake means to simply abandon. Walk away from how we perceive life. I want you to think about that for a moment. We're talking about seizing the opportunities that God has for us, whether it's for salvation or, through, or for ministry or for transformation of our life and the lives of those around us. We are to seek Him. We're to call to Him. And we're also to forsake or abandon how we think we should live. Now, that, that's hard. That is hard. Because there's a, the Scripture says there's a way which seems right unto man. But when we, when we realize that we need to abandon what we think life should be and how life should be led and, and, and who we should be kind to and who we should not be kind to and, and who deserves this and who doesn't deserve that, it doesn't really matter. We have to get to the place that we say, Lord, I'm forsaking and abandoning everything that I think life should be. I'm denouncing my way of thinking and I'm embracing God's way of thinking. That's hard to do. How many have ever turned the other cheek? 
Doesn't the scripture say turn the other cheek? No, we want to hit them. Do we not? Let's be, let's be real. Can, we, can, I, can I quit preaching and start meddling a little bit? You ever heard, well, the Bible says turn the other cheek, but it doesn't say what to do after that. Okay, better make that second shot count, because after that I'm coming after you, buddy. That's not what the Scripture is talking about. It's talking about a different way of, of thinking, about abandoning the way that we think life should be. One of the scriptures that I think all of us have read but we don't really like is vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I'll repay. I know vengeance is the Lord's and I think sometimes he uses me as his instrument of righteousness and wrath. That's the way we'd like to look at it. How many times have, we, have you ever been hurt? This is a rhetorical question. Please don't answer uh, you've been hurt by somebody, you've been offended by somebody, and yet the Bible says to forgive them. And you say, well, but man, I've already forgiven them so many times. And the way we think is, I'm just not going to forgive them anymore. But Scripture says to forgive them. As often as they ask for forgiveness, you forgive them. That's about abandoning our way of thinking and embracing the Lord's way of thinking. Because when you get down to it and you look at life in the eyes of eternity, what difference does it make how people treat us for these 70 plus years? In light of eternity, none of this really matters. It's not about our ego. It's not about our pride. It's not about how we look in the eyes of others. It's about abandoning our way of thinking how we should live and how we should be right and how we should be justified and how we should seek retribution. And we focus on the way the Lord teaches us to live, to love our neighbor as ourself. It's hard to do, to abandon the way that, that I think. It's the way you think. I love what the Scripture says, let the wicked forsake their way. You know what that term wicked really means? It's criminal. In other words, when we think opposite of what God thinks, we're actually breaking the law of God. We're against Him. Our thinking, our, the Scripture says it this way, the carnal mind, the way we think, is an enemy to God. It can't understand the things of God, never has, never will. That's the way we think. We have to forsake that if we want to seize the moment. We want to seize the day. We want to live the potential life that, God, that Christ has called us to into this walking relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need to not only seek Him, we need to call on Him for the, the, for the circumstances we see around us, but we also need to abandon the way we think and embrace the way He thinks.
fourth thing he said was simply this. Turn, abandon the way you think and turn to me. We call that repentance, going back the other way. See, God is in the opposite direction of our perception of life. Isn't that amazing? God is always in the opposite perception of the way we think. God is, is over here, and we want to go over there. Paul said it this way, The things that I would do, man, I'm not going to do. And the things that I need to do, man, I really don't want to do them. And he said he finally had this, he was having this argument with himself. You ever had that argument with yourself? It's like, man, I know what, what the Lord wants me to do, but man, my heart's not really in it because my mind wants... See, and that is the great, the great opportunity that each and every one of us have is to abandon our way of thinking and embrace the Lord's and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and transform us. You can actually get to the place when somebody offends you that you can love them and not be hurt. Or if you're hurt, you can forgive. Can you do it on your own? No. We're talking about a relationship with the Holy Spirit where we, where we seek Him, where we call on Him, where we abandon our ways of thinking and say, God, I know the way I think and how things should be are wrong and I am walking away from them and I am turning to you, turning to God's ways. It requires action on our part. It requires that you and I forsake what we have done, the way we think it should be, and we say, God, I am trusting in you. It's faith. Scripture says that we are saved by grace through faith, through faith. If, if grace is, is what we walk into, then faith is the doorway. Grace is over there and we're over here. But if you want grace, you have to walk through the doorway of faith and say, I'm walking into grace. I'm walking into the grace of God. In the same way, if we turn from our ways and we say, Lord, your way is over here and the way I think is over here and I'm abandoning my way and I'm embracing the word of God. And when you step through that doorway through faith, saying, God, I don't understand why you do the, the things that you do, but I trust you. You turn to him. You turn to God for salvation. Can anybody explain to me salvation? Say, well, Christ died on the cross. No, we get what? But why in the economy of God? Why in the thinking of God? Why in the process of God where, where Scripture says that Christ was slain before the foundation of the world? Why did He do all that? And the answer is, we just don't know. But we believe and we trust. Look what the Scripture says at the end of this. And I'm, and I'm closing. You can say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. You, you seek me, you call on me, you abandon your way of thinking, and then you follow me, you turn, you follow me. Why? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. There are times that I, don't, that I will obey 
what the Lord is asking me to do, but I don't understand what the Lord is asking me to do. There are times in your lives that, that, that you will be asked of the Lord to do something, then you would do it another way, but you're trusting in Him and you're stepping through that doorway of faith and you're saying, I'm following, I'm trusting in you. It's not how we should do it, but it's what the Lord asks us to do. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's ways are greater than ours. God sees the big picture. God knows this is all His design. And He simply says, can you trust me? Can you trust me with your life? Can you trust me with your life for salvation? If you know Jesus Christ, it's because that you said, I, I believe what you said about salvation. I believe that, that, that I need forgiveness of my sins. I believe that you died on a cross. I believe that you were perfect with, and sinless. And I believe that you are a substitution for my sin. And I believe that you said, if, if I would ask that I shall receive from you, so here is my life. But there's not one of us that can truly understand the complexities of all of it. We, uh, we know how to a certain degree. We know what, rather, and we know why. For God so loved the world. But to say we know what the thoughts of God and the mind of God there are times, there are times in our lives that you will not understand why the Lord is asking you to do something, nor will you understand His way of doing things. And it's at that moment, at that time, that we need to step through that door of faith and say, I trust in you. God simply asks us to trust Him. I'm going to ask our, our uh, praise singers and our musicians to please come back. I remember when I was teaching my girls how to ride a bike. And you say, well, why didn't you teach your boys how to ride a bike? Well, I don't have any boys. I used to buy them all, uh, race car sets and stuff, though. Slot, slot cars, they were a lot of fun. But then they wanted to paint the cars pink, and I thought... But I remember us teaching him how to ride bike, ride a bike. That and one of my daughters, I won't, I won't tell you which one, but one of my daughters uh, took a little while longer to learn to ride the bike than the others. And the only reason it took her longer was fear. She was afraid that when I let go, she was going to fall. Fear kept her, and, and she finally had to get to that point where she trusted. And, and, I, and I would tell her, now, I'm gonna, we're going to get going, then we're going to let you go, and, 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 oh, and if you fall, it's not going to hurt bad. And it's about that, that trust. See, that's what the Lord is inviting us into today on this thing called life and, 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 and on this journey. And, and 
And he doesn't want us to worry about what's happened in the past, our hurts and pains and sorrows of the past, because if we dwell on those, it's going to create fear in our lives and we will never live today. And he doesn't want you to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. He, he just wants you to focus on today. And he's saying, men, I've invited you into this relationship with me and I've invited you into a, a partnership with me. I want to teach you to ride your bike. But you just got to trust me. When it seems like I'm letting go, I'm still there. 